Father, thank you for all that you do for us each and every day. God, thank you, Lord, for the price you pay for us to be able to enter into your presence, God. Lord, thank you for the sacrifice, Lord. And Lord, forgive us for how so many times we take it for granted, Lord. God, would you speak to our hearts today? Lord, I know that in our lives, in my life, and probably in a lot of the other lives represented in this building today, we have faced our struggles this week. God, we've had our fair share of battles and setbacks and disappointments. And then there has been those successes and those joys, Lord. But I just want, Lord, we need you today. We need you to touch fresh, Lord. Last thing we need to do is just go through a service, God. We need to hear from you. God, we need you to create miracles in our lives and speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews it says this. It says, uh, we have a video that I, I want to show you, but it says, uh, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside. Oh, I don't need that, brother. Thank you, though. I'm, I'll get in my way. Amen. The Bible says, therefore, let us lay aside every weight that so easily ensnares us. Let us run that race. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God the Father. Watch this video for me. No video? No video? Huh? It's not working. All right, don't watch that video up there. Has nothing to do with what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. So as we look at this this morning, uh, there's a couple of things that I want you to understand. Uh, you see up on, on our background here, last week you had the rainbow. And uh, the rainbow was a, the, a sign of what? The promise. We see the cross. What do we see back there? What is that a sign of? The fulfillment of a promise. Absolutely. Actually, the, and the rainbow is a fulfillment of a promise as well. God's never, never ever destroyed the, 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 the world uh, by water again. Apparently a couple times it's come close, amen. <laughs> but, uh, but he's been faithful. And, uh, and so the thing I want you to understand is the scripture that I quoted you was uh, looking unto Jesus, uh, therefore since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And so the Bible says, therefore, what is therefore is to solidify and cement, if you will, everything in the previous verses that just took place. In other words, it's to, to make them concrete. And so anytime you see a therefore, it is concreting, it's solidifying, it's making solid the previous verses. 
Now, I'm not going to lead you all the way back, but I do want us to go back to verse 32. Look at what it says right here in verse 32. Now, leading up to verse 32, you know the story. I mean, it talked about, it started with Enoch. I mean, it just went through the hall of faith is what we call it. Enoch and Isaac and Abraham and, and, and Jericho, Joshua with Jericho. But I love verse 32. And it says, and what, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of the guys like Gideon and Barak and Samson, Jephthah, David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness and obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. I mean, this is just good stuff here. As they begin, what they're saying in these verses is it's just that they begin to do all these things and they were so powerful and all the things that were happening is that, that they were changing the world is what they're saying here. They were changing the world in these verses. And it says, uh, I mean, they, they, they administered justice. They obtained promises. They shut the mouths of lions. Verse 34, they quenched the raging of fire escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength after being weak. They became mighty in battle. They put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead raised to life again. Some men were tortured, not accepting release. Now, it didn't mean they were just tortured because they, of what they believed. They, they could have been released, but they had to renounce. And they said, we will never renounce. We will never be released if we have to renounce. We're going to believe God. You know, we just saw that play out in our eyes. You remember the pastor in Iran that was going to be executed for his faith? And that guy basically, you know, he could have renounced his faith, embraced Muslim, the Muslim faith, and have been set free. But he said, man, I would rather, I would rather... I would rather my son know that I died standing for the everlasting life than to know that I cowered under pressure and sold out everything that I believe. And so as we think about this, he goes on and says, and, 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 and they not accepting their release so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experience mockings and scourgings as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They had put people in hollow logs and saw them in two. They died by the sword. And they wandered about in sheepskin, in goatskins, destitute. Look at that word in your Bible, destitute. Afflicted and mistreated. And we get upset because we got here late and somebody got our spot. I'll move on. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. But you picking up what I'm putting down. Well, we get upset because somebody else wants to help out. We, well, let me move on. All right. So they wondered about, and, they, and, and they, were, they were afflicted. They were mistreated. The world, the world was not worthy of them. Do y'all see that in your Bible? 
I, I just underline that. The world was not worthy of them. Man. That, mean the, that means by the way they lived, by the way they conducted themselves, by the way they walked, the world was not even worthy of being in their presence because they were such great men and women of faith. And I mean, they were changing the world. When you read these verses, you know what this was? This was world changers. This wasn't pacifists. This was people who had been given a promise. And they were willing to seek that promise with all of their heart, even when all the circumstances told them to abandon the promise. They were willing to march forward and embrace it with all their hearts. It says the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts, mountains, and caves and in holes in the ground. Look at verse 39. And all these were approved. Through their faith. Through their faith. But they did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect apart from us. Now here's what we're trying to look at this morning that's very interesting is that what God is saying in these verses here is he's giving you an example of a hero. Amen. He's giving you an example of a real hero. Of men and women who were whose lives were worthy to, be, to, to, to follow as an example, whose lives was worthy to follow that example. And basically like Paul, Paul said something like this, if you just follow me as I follow Christ. Because Paul knew that he was sold out to a promise that was greater than he was. And Paul knew that he had died to himself. Matter of fact, he wrote it in Galatians 2 and 20. For I have been crucified with Christ. Paul was saying there is nothing left within me. I've been crucified with Christ, yet I live. But the life that I now live is not the life under Paul, the Pharisee. It's not the life under, to Paul, the tent maker. But it's the life under Christ. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live in faith. By the Son of God who gave himself for me. See, Paul knew that he had abandoned every principle that he had. He had abandoned every will that he had and he was sold out to Jesus Christ, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. These men and women of God, the Bible says, in the hall of faith, <clears throat> the greatest thing I think in this whole verse is just that it says the world wasn't worthy of them. Because of the way they were living their life. The way they were living their life. You know what they were doing guys? Is they wasn't trying to look like the world and be a believer. But they had sold out to a promise that was opposite of the world. Matter of fact, they, they didn't see, they, 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 they died and they didn't receive the promise. The Bible says that. It says, and these all died having not received the promise that they would not be made perfect apart from us. Now there's two promises that we actually see in these verses. I'm going to give you the, the first one right here today. 
What was the first promise? Well, if you go back into the Hall of Faith, into Hebrews 11, it, it, here's what it says. In the story of Moses, when they're talking about it, here's what Moses says in verse 27. By faith he left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as one who sees him who is the invisible. And he instituted the Passover, which was what? The sprinkling of the blood, the blood sacrifice, all of those things. What was Moses doing? What was every one of these people doing? They were walking in faith. What is faith? Well, he defines it in Hebrews 11, chapter 1. For faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Why do we have to have faith? Because it's something we're believing in. It's something we're clinging to. It's something we're relying on. It's something we're trusting in. Until we embrace that promise. You know what's great? I love to preach this passage of Scripture at a funeral because whenever it's a saint of God, whenever it's a, someone who is sold out to the promise, they, are no, they no longer have faith. If you're a believer in Christ, your faith dies when you die. Why? Because you're not believing in it anymore. It's become reality. You're no longer seeing him who is invisible, but you are embracing the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are embracing the Lamb of God. You are embracing the one you prayed to, the one you sung about, the one you read about, the one that you fasted to, all of those things that you believed in. Now you're embracing him. But what is faith? Faith is walking as something in so is so until God makes it so. It's trusting in the invisible. And that's what these guys did. I mean, if you read the story of Moses, it says his mother and father didn't fear the king's edict. But they took matters in their own hands and said, God gave us a baby boy. And if God gave us a baby boy, he's got a promise for this baby boy. Therefore, we're not going down without a fight. We're not just going to let some paganistic Pharaoh king take our baby boy and kill him. Why? Because he's not the giver of life. God is the giver of life and God gave us that boy for a purpose. Therefore, they began to move forward in faith, trusting God for what was unseen, that it might become reality. And so when they could no longer conceal that little baby boy any longer, the mother herself put together a reed basket and she made this little basket and placed her little son in crocodile infested waters and pushed him off from the seashore or from the bank of the, of the, little, of the little river there till it went and drifted over to where she knew Pharaoh's daughter was going to be uh, bathing. And what she did was her greatest enemy, listen to me church, she put her son in a basket and pushed her son in the direction of her greatest enemy and said, God, if I don't do this and put my son in your hands, he's going to die if I keep him in mine. But Lord, greater are you that is in the world and in me than he in any principality and power of the world. And she put her little baby boy in that little basket and pushed him towards Pharaoh's daughter sent Pharaoh's, sent her daughter to go and hide in the reeds. And sure enough, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe. And there was that little baby boy and pulled it out of the basket. And about that time, her, his sister popped up out of the weeds and said, Do you need somebody to raise that, help, help with that baby? Well, well, I sure do. And so she ran home and got the mother. And every day, 
the mother of Moses went down into enemy territory and nursed her son and nurtured her son. That was called faith. It was believing God in a promise. What was a promise? God had gave them a baby boy. And God had a purpose for that baby boy. Therefore, they weren't giving up without a fight. I want you to know today, church, on the authority of a word of God, not some preacher, not some denomination, not some church, but on the authority of God's word, God has a purpose and a plan and a divine divine direction for your life and I want to encourage you on the authority of God's word don't you give in don't you let up don't you sell out to the world's cheap hearted tricks that makes you sell yourself short and sell out the sacredness of what God's given you I was at a cemetery not long ago and I saw on someone's uh, tombstone I always find it interesting what people leave as their epitaph on this one guy's tombstone, it said, hunting with Esau. And I thought, I wonder if they know that's probably not really a good thing. <laughs> it's kind of like the church, you know, that named themselves uh, uh, Sardis. Man, we got ourselves a biblical church name. It's named Sardis. I wonder if they ever researched the meaning of that name, <laughs> that you're dead. <laughs> Man, they had themselves a scripture. I'm hunting with Esau. You know, the problem with Esau was he hated what God loved. <laughs> he hated the birthright so much that he sold it out for just a little meal. And I'm going to tell you today, once you start hating what God loves, what does God love? You. God loves you. God loved you and created you. You say, oh, God don't love me, Pastor. You don't know the situation I'm in. I've got a knucklehead for a husband, a knucklehead for a wife. I got a mom and dad that's strung out on drugs. It don't matter. There may be illegitimate parents, but there are no illegitimate children. And God has a purpose and a plan for you. Therefore, he created you. And I want you to know, keep watching. That's what these guys did in the Hall of Faith. What did they do? They watched for the promise, seeing the invisible, seeing the invisible, seeing the invisible. They, walk, they not only watched for the invisible, that it may become reality, but then they, they, they not only watched for it, but they were waiting for it. And while they were waiting, they were watching. And you know what? They weren't just sitting up on a porch somewhere saying, well, one day God said he was going to bless us and give us this promise of a Messiah. That wasn't what they were doing. They were moving in faith. Understand something about faith. It's not neutral. If you're neutral, you don't have faith. Faith is always moving. It's always moving. It's always moving in the direction. It's kind of like the, one, one day back in the, the, old, the revival days, there was a revival taking place, and uh, man, lives were being transformed probably some 75, 80 years ago. And man, it was out in Texas, and man, there was big things happening. There was some saint, you know. We have these super saints, and they always got to be the, the, the spiritual cosmic killjoys. 
You know, I mean, they, things start happening spiritually in somebody's life, and they they want to they want to they want to shut it down. Amen. <clears throat> and this one lady stood up, and she said, "I gave my heart to Jesus twenty five years ago." And I haven't taken nothing in, and I've not let nothing out ever since. I'm still full. And one old cowboy said, I bet she's full of tadpoles. Because if you don't have nothing coming in your cup and nothing going out, you have contaminated water in the future. And I'm going to tell you today, a faithless life becomes a contaminated life. And these guys were walking forward to the promise, to the promise of what? To the promise of the cross, to the promise of the cross. Abraham, God allowed Abraham to let Isaac go. Why? Because had he taken Isaac's life like we looked at a couple of weeks ago in our last sermon series, it wouldn't have had anything to, it, it, would, it would have been non-essential for the future. But in that same geographical area, God knew that several thousand years in the future, His Son, Jesus Christ, would put on the robe of flesh and come and dwell among mortal man. And He would lay down His life so that all could receive the promise of everlasting life. I mean, they were watching. They were waiting. They were walking. What a tragedy to have the miracle just over the horizon and to never achieve it. Last week, Pastor Ralph talked about how they spent all their life in the promised land, and yet the promise was just right over the horizon. Yet because they didn't believe, so many of them went all the way and never received what was rightfully theirs. I remember several years ago when the book of the uh, prayer of Jabez came out. One of the first couple of chapters he talks about in heaven. You know, he just believes there's going to be like this huge room. And it's going to be a bunch of unopened boxes. And those are all the things that God wanted to do in our life and give us. But we never believed him and never asked him for them. You know, today in our life, one thing these Old Testament saints had when they didn't have anything else, when they didn't have nice buildings, when they didn't have pastoral staff, when they didn't have denominations, praise the Lord, they didn't have any of that to mess them up. What they did have was they had faith. And they said, if God said he was going to do it, we're going to believe that God will keep his word. And they died waiting on the promise. And you say, man, their whole life was wasted. No. God said, no, they may have died waiting on the promise, but the world wasn't worthy of them because of the way they lived. You know what's going to change the world? is men and women of faith. Men and women of, of the word. Men and women who believe God for the impossible. Trust him for the unthinkable. You know, we were talking about not long ago, uh, how, how the, the Bible says that God's ways are not our ways His thoughts are not our thoughts And as high as the heavens is from the earth That's the difference between God's thoughts and our thoughts That's a lot, isn't it? And God's really wanting to do something huge in our lives But will we believe Him? The Bible talks about all these Old Testament saints And then it's that word, therefore Since you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses why don't you do like they did as your example and lay aside every weight that so easily ensnares us so that you can run your race? Man, whenever I was in Haiti, 
<clears throat> there was this boy that uh, helped us quite a bit last couple of days there at the orphanage. And, man, we're out there, and, and, and we're in briars and thorns and brush. And, man, this dude's out there barefooted uh, with a machete uh, uh, clearing this stuff. And so, man, I felt bad. So a little bit later towards the end of the trip, I guess this shows my level of spirituality not to be so great because I waited to the end of the trip. <laughs> but towards the end of the trip, I said, man, what size are those shoes you wear? And they actually was my same size. So, boy, I took my tennis shoes off and, and gave him my tennis shoes. So I was like, notice I, I wasn't quite spiritual enough to walk through the thorns and let him take mine. I'm just kind of being convicted about that right now. Man, don't you hate it, Pastor, when God starts dealing with you and you're trying to preach and he's, <laughs> he's cleaning your clock all at the same time. Anyway, thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. So, man, I had to go get me some new tennis shoes. And, man, I went in the academy, and I was just like, good Lord. Good Lord. Which one? Which one? Walk down this aisle. Then the other side. You, you know. And every one of those shoes in academy say they do something special and better than the other one. And there's a whole aisle that's dedicated to running. And when you pick those shoes up, they basically don't weigh anything. Matter of fact, they have these uh, uh, really cool shoes out now. They call toe shoes. Have you seen them? I tried on some. And it's like running barefooted. You just It's like a glove. Your little toes are out there wiggling. And as hard as they were to get on, I looked even that much dumber in them. <laughs> Amen. Why would somebody make a toe shoe? Because they're trying, they're trying to make the runner feel like there's nothing on his feet. So that there's nothing holding him back. And the Bible says, therefore... Since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight that so easily ensnares us. And let us run the race that we're in. Looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. I mean my kids love to run and they're pretty good at it. And not long ago we decided to do a little bit of running. And thought we did real well. And we came back uh, 15 minutes later and I was kind of proud of ourselves. It was a mile. And they said, well, Dad, we've been doing two miles in that time. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm holding them back. But when I go to these races, you know where the parents are? You know where I'm at? The finish line. The finish line. And the Bible says, you know who's at the finish line? Looking unto who? The author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. Therefore, let us lay aside every weight that so easily ensnares us. Look, these guys, these guys walked forward to the cross. They had a word from God that one day he would send the Messiah into the world. And every day they walked in faith. They walked in faith. They walked in faith and they were looking to a picture of something that was going to be coming to them that they could embrace it. 
that they could embrace it and it would be their sovereignty. Not only was it their, their Savior that would come, the Messiah who would come and redeem them and sanctify them and seal them, but they had a promise that one guy, one day God was going to come and set up a kingdom on earth for them. And they were walking in that direction every day, every day, and they died without it being fulfilled. And the Bible says this, God says, I didn't want them to be made perfect apart from you. And, you. and you think God didn't think anything about you. You may have woke up this morning thinking, I, I, man, God don't love me. God don't love me. He wouldn't allow that to happen to me. God wouldn't allow those circumstances to happen. If there really was a God, why does he let bad things happen? Why does he keep all the bad things from happening and just letting one or two slip into your life? God loved you so much that those old, all oh, stay with me church, those Old Testament saints who he said the world was not worthy of them, are you picking up that? The world was not worthy of them. He comes over here for those of us who are not even in existence yet and says, I didn't want them to be made perfect apart from you. Who was going to come? Oh, my, my, what a Savior. What a Savior. What a Savior. And Jesus come. He came into the world. He, come, he came into the world and he fulfilled every Old Testament prophecy about himself. Not one of them slipped by with the birth of Jesus. And now you and I, we're not looking to a picture of things to come. But we're looking at a portrait of things fulfilled. And now we can walk that same pathway and we can walk every day in faith not looking to a baby that was going to come not looking to a Messiah who was going to come but we can look to the king who died on the cross and rose again on the third day that we can walk in that direction walk looking at things that were fulfilled look you say oh preacher I don't know about that I don't know if all that's true look I don't care what you think I don't care what you know I don't mean to be unkind even the world even science proves even the world proves forget the Bible don't open your Bible the world proves that Jesus came that Jesus lived that Jesus died amen even the atheist has to deal with it on his calendar before who? Before who? Before who? Christ. Don't you know that drives them crazy? I bet they're glad the calendar's coming to an end. They'll probably come up with something that has nothing to do with Christ. Guys, it was his sacrifice. We look to him. Not as something that's coming. Is something fulfilled. Matter of fact, Jesus himself described it this way. Can you just see these guys in the upper room? And then there's that one. In there, they're always that one. Well, I tell you what, I'm just not going to believe that he rose from the dead. I got to see his hands. 
where they pierced him. I need to see the side where they shoved the spear in him. You with me? And what took place? Eventually Thomas comes into the room and Jesus says, Hey Thomas, why don't you put your finger in my hand where, they, where the nail went through? Why don't you thrust your fist into my side where the spear tore open a hole in it? And Jesus said, Thomas, you see and you believe. Good for you. But blessed are those who do not have the opportunity to put their little finger in the nail pierced hand and their fist in my side, but yet they believe. But yet they believe. But yet they believe. You know what the prom the greater promise than any rainbow is the promise of the cross. The promise that God would not leave us like we are. Or like we were. But that he would totally and radically transform our lives. Transform our lives. Who for the joy. Come on guys. Go watch the passion of the Christ. It doesn't do anything for what really happened. But it's the best thing that we have to picture what happened. And look at all that he went through. Pilate's Hall, the scourging. Look at the blood, the blood sprinkled path down the Via Della Rosa, up Calvary's mountain. To the day that they crucified him. You know what Jesus says about that? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross you say where in the world did the joy come from the joy came from knowing that those who were far off could become near through the blood the joy came that those of us who were enemies of the cross who were enemies of the cross might be made might have peace through the cross and become children of God where'd the joy come from That you might could become his brother and sister in Christ. That's where the joy came from. That we could cry out, Abba, Father. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You know what he despised? The Roman soldiers. Nah. He said, Father, forgive those guys. They don't have a clue what they're doing. You know what he despised was the shame of the crucifixion. That the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was hung naked before the whole world. The shame that went with the cross is what he despised. He despised the shame and then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. We want to spend all of our time debating apologetics, debating doctrines and theologies and thoughts of man. I just don't have a whole lot for that anymore. Why don't we just embrace God's Word?
and believe it. And embrace it. And receive it. And let it transform our life. You know what church? Jesus did pay it all. And all to him we really do owe. Because sin had left a really nasty stain. But Jesus washed it. White as snow. We really should praise the one. Who paid our debt. And raised our old wretched life up from the dead. And if you do stand before his holy throne complete it will be because Jesus paid it all oh you'll all we, we will all stand before his throne the question is will you be complete will you be complete the cross has been fulfilled how many times Can you really and truly, really and truly, quote, really and truly be born again? As many times as Jesus died. How many times did he die? Once. His sacrifice is sufficient. His sacrifice is sufficient. He left nothing undone. The wrath of God was appeased in Jesus. In Jesus. Can I ask you this question with your head bowed? Maybe you're here today. And you've never embraced that promise. You've never entered the race of faith. And today, you want to do that. Now understand, <clears throat> I'm not trying to make you a member of this church. I'm not trying to make you religious. I just really want you to know my Savior. If you're here today and you've never received that promise, you've never invited Jesus in your heart, would you just look up here at me eyeball to eyeball for a minute? I want to tell you something encouraging. Just look up here at me or eyeball to eyeball. Give me a minute to see you. Okay, I see you. Somebody else, you've never invited him in your heart. Somebody else just eyeballed out. But okay, I see you. Guys, God loves you. And there's nothing you can do to earn that love. All you have to do is receive it. And I so wish that you would just make your way to this altar. And just pray a prayer like this. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that 
if I die, I'd spend eternity in hell. I want you to take my wretched life and save me. Just, look, it's not hard. It's just saying, Lord, I know you're everything, and I give you my all. If that's you, I want to pray for you today. God give you courage to do that.